Whoa. Wait a minute. Huh? Hold up. What? Oh, okay. Did we just lose the f***ing Canucks? You're listening to Halford and Bruff. Besser, left wing, another Chicago zone, shoots, he scores! Besser off the rush, fires it up high past Peter Morazic, and the Canucks strike twice in quick succession early in the second to take their first lead of the afternoon. Cook again, wide on, James Cook through everyone, and he scores again! Dude, I think... I think Christian should be MVP. I think, I, I really do believe that. You know, he does everything um, for us, runs the ball well, can catch the ball. He does everything. And so, in my eyes, that's an MVP. Good morning, Vancouver 601 on a Monday. Happy Monday, everybody. It is Halford. It is Bruff. It is Sportsnet 650. We are coming to you live from the Kintech Studios in beautiful Fairview Slopes of Vancouver. Jason, good morning. Good morning. Hey, dog. Good morning to you. Good morning. Uh, Producer Elon, good morning to you. Good morning, guys. Uh, Half and Breath of the Morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Acura dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Acura dealer today. I mentioned we are coming to you live from the Kintech studios. Here's Jason Broff to tell you more about Kintech. Oh, Kintech. We love you, Kintech. Kintech Footwear and Orthotics, Canada's favorite orthotics provider, supported by over 2,500 five-star Google reviews. Find your perfect fit at Kintech.net. Lots to get into on a Monday here on the Halford & Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. I mentioned producer Elon is in the chair. Laddie is on vacation early. Uh, we start our vacation on Thursday, so we're just on the air Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday this week. Mm-hmm. It's going to be Drance and Dodd, if I'm not mistaken, that taking over for us Thursday and Friday. Drance and Dodd, Thursday and Friday, yep. Oh, that's a tough way to wake up, Drance. I know, I know. <laughs> you know? It'll be fine, though. It'll just be fine. It's like, it's too early for that laugh. Uh, because we are in the holiday spirit, the giving spirit on the Halford & Bruff Show, we're giving away a bunch of Canucks tickets this week, including today. Uh, we are giving away a pair of tickets to see the Canucks and the San Jose Sharks Saturday, December 23rd at Rogers Arena. That is going to go to the best what we learned of the day. If you want to win the tickets, hashtag your what we learned, WWL, send it in. Dunbar Lumber text line is 650-650. Hashtag it WWL. Put a ticket emoji into your text to be entered into the grand prize contest, Canucks Sharks, Saturday, December 23rd. That's what's happening. No more wrestling tickets? We are out of wrestling tickets. That was just the last week thing. I hope all of you have fun going to see wrestling in January, but we're giving away Canucks tickets this week. Yeah, Uh, The guest list today, beginning at 6.30, David Amber, Sportsnet, Hockey Night in Canada, NHL host. Uh, 7.30, Mike Tannier, our NFL insider from The Messenger. And at 8 o'clock, Randeep Jandy, you hear him right here. He is the Canucks uh, color broadcaster, Sportsnet 650. Uh, We'll talk Canucks, what happened over the weekend, and what happens on Tuesday when they take on the Nashville Predators in Nashville. So working in reverse, Randeep at 8, Mike Tannier at 7.30, David Amber at 6.30. Uh, That's what's happening on the program today. Elon, let's tell everybody what happened. Hey, did you guys see the game last night? No. What happened? I missed all the action because I was... We know how busy your life is. What happened is brought to you by the BC Construction Safety Alliance. Making safety simpler by giving construction companies the best in tools, resources, and safety training. Visit them on the internet 
at bccsa.ca. Uh, the Vancouver Canucks scored three straight goals in the second period on Sunday afternoon in Chicago. That's all they needed, a 4-3 win over the Blackhawks and Connor Bedard, as mentioned, on Sunday afternoon. Uh, the second of a very awkward, very... I didn't love it. I don't love the 11 a.m. and then noon back-to-backs, but the Canucks got three or four points from them, so hey, we'll take it. It's too, yeah, early. too early. It's too, too early. early. Too early. It wasn't their best hockey of the year uh, this weekend, but the Canucks grinded out a shootout loss and against against an improved wild team on Saturday and then used a very strong second period, which they've done a lot this season, to take care of the Blackhawks on Sunday. The Canucks are now 21-9-2. That's good. Right in the race for first place in the division. Unfortunately, the Vegas Golden Knights beat the Ottawa Senators last night. I really wonder how long, how much longer DJ Smith has got. Remember when we, we went back and we were like, well, they've only played 22 games and they're 11-11, and so they're 500. Well, they've lost four games in a row. I feel like you've been saying that for like two months now. I wonder how much longer DJ It's a race Smith between has. DJ Smith and Mike Sullivan. Oh, we'll talk As about the, Mike the, Sullivan. The vultures too. are circling here at the Halford & Brough Show. Um, back to the Canucks, though. Uh, the third line was once again the best story of the weekend for mm-hmm. me. And I know iMac wrote a story on the third line, if you want to go read that, at sportsnet.ca. Uh, we're talking about the line of uh, Teddy Bluger uh, between Connor Garland and Dakota Joshua. Saturday, that line scored the Canucks' only goal, and it was a really nice goal. Came after a defensive zone face-off win. They skated it up the ice, gained the zone. Garland passed it up to Joshua who crossed it to Teddy Bluger, and Bluger put it home. On Sunday, Joshua scored. He's up to, what, seven or eight goals now? From Garland and Bluger, but it was more... It was, it was Yes, it was great that they scored again, but it was more the way they were able to, and this is something they've done constantly all season, stem the momentum swings in the game. Mm-hmm. They have consistently all season, really gotten the puck going in the right direction. I know I've said that a few times, but like it's important, you yeah. know, like when the other team has momentum, there's often times where Rick Tockett can throw his third line out there and that momentum is gone because again, they get the puck going in the right direction and now they're starting to finish more and more, right? And that's pretty important. Now, Connor Garland isn't scoring, but he is making some nice plays out there. He's a playmaker, hit the post over the weekend. Uh, so maybe some goals are going to come for him. But that line, I just I just really like it. And I, and I think back to all the times that we have complained about the Canucks' bottom six in the last, I don't know, decade. And how they were, you know, like sometimes they'd be okay defensively, but it would be okay defensively in their own end, right? Right. And this line is doing a really good job of actually getting out of their own end and playing in the other end. Yeah, and a lot of the other units and lines have had this sort of jumble, right? Where they've had guys move around and they had wingers move up and down. But that trio of... um, Garland and Joshua and Bluger. It seems like it's got a certain chemistry. Like mm. those three particular guys. Well, I thought those play three, well together. But I thought even when Suter was with Garland and uh, Joshua, sure. that that you know the three of them did well in terms of playing most of the time in the other end. But speaking of Pew Suter. Um, he got bumped up to play with Pedersen and Mikheyev, so Lafferty got taken off that first line. And, you know, listen, we didn't, I don't think any of us expected Lafferty to be on that line forever. And that did result in a goal on Sunday by Mikheyev. 
after Pew Suter did some nice work down low. Now, Taka was asked afterwards about Pew Suter, and I'm sure the reporter that asked him thought like Taka would be like totally glowing. Give me your glowing review of and, Pew Suter, and uh, Taka was like he was okay. I'm just not sure Tockett loves him on the wing. And I think, he, and he yeah. basically said, like, listen, it's hard to go from center to the wing. But Suter's promotion, you know, I'm, I remember when I saw that, I was like, ooh, I kind of feel even worse now for Kuzmenko because at least when Suter was on that fourth line, Kuzmenko could be like, okay, well, I got like a playmaker on that line. Mm. Uh, Kuzmenko was left to skate with Lafferty and Nils Amon, who aren't exactly skilled playmakers. That's that's not their game, right? Yeah. Not surprisingly, when the Canucks um, were protecting that lead in the third period against the Chicago Blackhawks, Kuzmenko barely played. He just got lost. Like he got mm-hmm. totally lost in the rotation and uh, intentionally lost. I think he had like two shifts in the third period, fifty nine seconds. Um, other points from the weekend, um, which again was a positive weekend, but the power play was not great. It went 0 for 5 Saturday, probably the reason the Canucks weren't able to beat the Minnesota Wild, and 1 for 4 Sunday with Pedersen scoring on a nice one-timer from JT Miller. So that was nice to see. Besser also scored on Sunday. Best throw in the NHL. Giving him 23 goals on the season, tied with Austin Matthews for most in the league. So... I'll throw, I'll throw this out to you guys. If you would have said that Brock Besser would have scored 23 goals this season, the entire season, would you have been like, yeah, that's not bad? Yeah, it would have matched essentially where he was yeah. the last couple of years. I mean, we're like a third of the way through the season. He's I, got 23 goals. I saw it, and I think I remember talking about it coming into the year that if he eclipses 30 for the first time in his career, because remember, he had 29 in his rookie year, and then it's kind of been yeah. below that ever since. But I think, Injuries that, played but well. I think the 30-goal dream 30 goal was, was over. It was over, but it, The dream was over. But that was that was the high bar. Because I remember yeah, thinking, yeah, yeah. okay, if everything goes right, if he clicks with his line mates, if he stays healthy, if this offseason where he changed some things in the gym and got in a little earlier and it resulted in maybe a little bit more fitness or maybe a little bit more quickness, 30 is a great bar for Brock Besser, an outstanding bar. I mean, he's going to beat that in within the span of a week and a half, two weeks well, at this point. Don't jinx him. I've ruined it now. I realize this, but that's okay. And finally, a tip of the cap to Nikita Zadorov, who stuck up for Petey and fought Reese Johnson, who kind of sounds like a weasel. Yeah. Reese Johnson. He's got weasel tendencies. Uh, even though the Blackhawks scored on the resulting power play from the instigator and you know the Canucks lost Nikita Zadorov for the entire third period, I'm okay with that in the regular season with a two-goal lead against a bad team like Chicago. Uh, and Tockett said afterward he had no problem with it. it Nobody should have was, a problem with he, it. Yeah, he was like, Nobody. I like I the rule, but I got no problem with it. And PD afterwards said, you know, I, re- I really appreciate that. And that's something that good teams do. That's something that tight teams do. And I thought that was good. So next up for the Canucks, um, they flew out of Chicago, I imagine, right after that game, which is nice. Because they're not flying out, at, you know, and getting into Nashville at one in the morning or whatever. They're already, um, they were already there. They're there to watch yeah. Sunday night football. Oh, nice. Okay, so uh, I haven't checked, but I imagine they're going to practice today. Then they're going to play Nashville tomorrow. Thursday, they play in Dallas before coming home to host San Jose on Saturday. Um, again, the nice thing about playing Sunday afternoon, as much as we didn't really like that start time, is that they can get into Nashville early. Um, I will check and see if they're practicing today. I imagine they will. 
Um, well, you never know. They love their days off that's in Trackland. But if they got to watch Sunday Night Football there, then that that that's your night off. <laughs> I mean, they, they, they had the opportunity to it do actually, it. It actually like brings outing or anything. Well, it actually brings up a good question because I think um, one of the things that Talkit is trying to figure out is why his team gets off to these slow starts. And they have had a number of slow starts over the last few weeks. Do you remember that Minnesota game at home that Casey DeSmith kept them in? Mm-hmm. Um, there was the game against Tampa Bay where they surrendered a goal like a minute and 25. And I think both games over the weekend, especially the Chicago game, were slow starts. Um, and we've got some audio from Rick Tockett on the slow starts. And, you know, listen, we're not trying to be negative here. We're just, you know, this is a team that we can kind of nitpick now, right? We're, we're not into the, like the killing them, but mm. we're into the like, okay, well, this is... Not going to praise is, them, this is, but we're not going to kill them. Well, we we're are praising kidding. them, but we are... But here's, here's Rick talking on whether or not he's concerned about the slow starts. Yeah, it was, uh, the, you know, the Minnesota game, and then before those games, the, I thought at home that we, we, we were, we, you know, we were better. Um, but, you know, that's, you know, we got to maybe have to think, you know, I have to think of different ways to get the team ready, you know, whether it's different stuff in the gym, um, you know, maybe less me. I don't know. We, we have to, yeah, definitely address it. But I knew after that, you know, that long flight, uh, that afternoon against Minnesota, afternoon game, I knew we were going to have to use the bench and grind it. And, uh, you know, getting three points out of uh, the two, these two games of the back-to-back, uh, um, you know, we're happy about getting the points, but we have to clean up our game. What if they all do like three shots of espresso each right before face-off? I think that's what they do before the second period. Yeah. yeah. Well, what if they, okay, do it right before the game starts? <laughs> I think it's just... Sometimes. I'm no coach, but... Well, I, there, there's a difference between like looking slow and getting off to a slow start and then like burying yourself so you can't come from behind. And I think the, inter- I think the interesting thing is <sighs> that... Uh, the goaltending's held them in for a lot of the slow starts. I think that's a yep, big part of this, right? Sure. Like, and that's DeSmith and Demko. Now, I'm not saying that's a recipe for success, but it is what it is. Like, you're looking at the record, and you're like, they're 21-9-2. and two. So it's not like the slow starts have translated into, like, a crappy record or losing no, hockey, right? It's no. just they fe- they seem like they're a little sluggish out of the gate, but the goaltending has bailed them out. Now, there's two things. There's two ways you can go on this conversation. One is like, we got to clean it up. We got to figure out how to get come out of the gates with a little bit of a sharper start and maybe not necessarily play from behind or play from behind the eight ball or whatever. The other side of it is that, like the goalie's part of your team, right? And if your goaltending is able to come out sharp and not have a slow start, then you'll be okay. Um, I think the bigger picture stuff here is the more important thing for me right now is not the slow starts, it is their remarkable, and I stress remarkable ability to close out hockey games right mm-hmm. now because they are actually doing it in newfound ways. Uh, on Sunday against Chicago, the Zadorov issue happened, and the, you know, and I did notice some people on Twitter were pushing back to my notion where I just tweeted out in one of my rare forays onto social media, attaboy Zadorov. Yeah. I just threw it out there because I thought it was good. And for a few reasons. One, Wolfpack sticking up for a teammate, right? Sticking together is what good waffles do. Well, he's, All a, that. He's, a, he's a new player, sticking up for the best player or sometimes on the team. The other part of it is I think at a certain point in any season, um, it's not cockiness, but you have to have a confidence that you can do certain things and have the confidence that you'll be able to take care of the ramifications. Yeah. So in this instance, it's like, yeah, I might put our team shorthanded. We might have to try and kill a penalty right here. We've only got a two-goal lead. We're on the road. It's the second of a back-to-back. But 
one, Chicago stinks. And two, we can withstand this. We can get through this. This adversity, I was joking around on Twitter, actually. I said, you know, I actually praised Zadorov for putting the Canucks in a new, different situation mm-hmm. to try and close out a victory because they're perfect. They were 17 0 0 when leading after two periods going into the third. So, <laughs> yeah, he challenged them. Yeah, he gave them a new opportunity to prove themselves. And they did, right? It was tight, but they got through and they got the win. And now they move on to Nashville. I don't know much about the guy that Zadorov fought, but I hate him. Reese Johnson. Johnson. I hate him. Why? Because he hurt your PD? I just don't like him. Didn't hurt. Rubs him. me the wrong way. Yeah. Something about him. He nearly scored. The, you nearly tied. The yeah, game nearly too. Tied <laughs> nearly I hated, tied. Hated him for that as the well. Canucks, yeah. The Canucks came pretty close to not getting that regulation win in Chicago. And yeah. um, Connor Bedard was his first game against uh, his favorite team growing up, and career, I thought he was fine. Career high time on ice. Yeah, twenty three sixteen, I think, or twenty three forty. Do you have a couple of assists? He had a pair of assists. Yeah, but you, he, but you know what's funny um, is that. Um, Last season, let's say if the Canucks had been playing like they were last season, which is not good, mm-hmm. that whole game would have been about Bedard. Oh, yeah, 100%. But, but for me, I barely thought about him. I'm like, he's just another player on another team. I want a win. Yeah. Do you know? Did, is that the same for you? Like, well, I wonder if I, w- I wonder too from the listeners. I'll just throw this out there. Are you watching these games differently this season? Are you watching them more? Um, <laughs> Like d- detail oriented. Do you do you know what I mean? Like when you really get into a game, you're, you're invested like, in what happens. Y- yeah, but you're no, <laughs> yeah. you're just kind of like you're. Ju- I I'm watching them closer. Yeah, because because they're good. There's more. Um, I know for our show, there's going to be more small picture stuff to discuss, like the starts, right? Like last season, you know, you're, you get into this group, you know, the the death march, and and you're like, I I don't care if they have a slow start. Like we're not like, well, how is this team going to get better starts? It's more a question of like, how is this team going to get better? Um, Overall, I am, uh, you know what I'm watching right now. This might sound stupid, but bear with me. Um, I'm actually invested in trying to figure out what they are, like what their identity is as a team and how they're... Because right now you can see the formations of a good team, right? You can see the pieces of a team that's not just a flash in the pan or a hot star. I think everyone's at this point, mm-hmm. right? They're 20, they've are got 21 wins already. So you're starting to look at it and saying, well, okay, what is that? what exactly are they? What exactly will they be come playoff time or something like that, right? And I think there's a few really interesting things. One is the goaltending's been phenomenal. Both guys, like that is about as rock solid a tandem as you can get right now. And I'm, I don't want to say any of this stuff out loud because I'm terrified of jinxing it, but I'm going to continue. <laughs> the third line is super interesting to me because if you can get a group that you can rely on and you know what you're going to get and they can do the things like you're talking about, they can be decent in their own end to good mm-hmm. in their own end and they can produce offensively. That's really interesting because... As we go to the negative side of the ledger, I continue to say, like, the more I look at the Pedersen situation, we talk about what's been wrong with Petey. I am ready to relitigate this to the wall and say this is because of who he's playing with more and more. Because now it's they replaced Sam Lafferty, a career bottom six winger, with a converted third line center as his winger in Pew Suter. Like, that is not exactly a marquee type of lineup that you're shuffling in and out. Yeah. Kuzmenko hasn't worked out this year. They need a finisher with him. They you know, just Mike, need- can do the spade work. Yeah. And he does have a few goals this season, but nobody looks at Mikheyev and thinks that he's a sniper. So I think that's probably, honestly, if the Canucks have a, a wish list right now, it's a goal-scoring winger. And, mm-hmm. and if you're Rick Tockett, you're, you're kind of like, uh, could he be hard-nosed too? 
Now, the other thing that I was <laughs> the other thing I was thinking about, like, what is the identity of this team? And it's oftentimes you're not going to have someone that has a consistent level for 82 games. There's going to be dips in their performance. There's going to be times where they're either going through not necessarily a huge injury, but a minor one, and they got to play through it, or they just they're not feeling it right. And I think that's maybe partly what we saw with Pedersen over the last little bit. The Canucks have always had either a different unit or a different individual step up. What I'm going to be curious about now is keeping a little bit of a closer eye on Quinn Hughes. Moving forward, because yeah. I don't know if everyone's noticed this or not. His ice time is down a bit, huh? And his production's down a little bit. He's been pointless in five of the last six games, yeah. right? And that is an anomaly for a guy that was at one point mm-hmm. leading the NHL and scoring from I the think, back I end. Th- I think Kronik is showing some signs of fatigue too. He's because, losing. He's losing some puck battles that I, that you know like you're like oh. And okay. I think and I think it's because they're tired. They, they, I mean, look when Rick Tockett comes out. And openly says we are playing these guys too much mm-hmm. in November, and then they go actually make a trade for Zadorov to try and take some time away. You from knew them. you knew that what they were doing was unsustainable. So I think that there is a cumulative wear effect here, where you just played twenty five thirty games of an NHL season mm-hmm. where Hughes and Hronick were literally out there for half the game for most of them, yeah. and now you're starting to see the ice time decrease a little bit. Maybe it goes part and parcel with the production being down a little bit, but I'm keeping an eye on that right now and saying, can this group? withstand maybe some mediocre play from who I'd consider the best player this year, Quinn Hughes. Uh, Only a few games left until they get a bit of a Christmas break. A lot of people texting in and saying how they're watching the games differently this year. Um, And a lot of people are saying, here's one, I haven't yelled at my TV more this year than this last decade. Watching meaningful hockey is the best hockey. Um, yeah, I, I'm a little confused by that one actually. I, I'm, I'm. It's funny because like I'm yelling at the TV more because I'm into the games. I was right? yelling at the TV on Saturday, uh, saying, "Please stop this," because this is the worst hockey game I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm the same with you, though, bruv. Like I'm actually, I'm into it. I'm usually pretty right? quiet when I watch the Canucks. More so is because yeah. of the last decade of play. But like this season, I'm way more involved in the games. I mm. find my, I catch myself yelling at the TV and like, oh, I'm actually. I actually care what's happening right now. This is awesome. Last yeah. year, I had this thing in the last few years. I would just, the main thing I would do was like an evil laugh when I was watching the game because <laughs> they, they, no, no, no. It would just be like, they would make a bad play. I'd be like, <laughs> oh, it's more of this guttural thing. Like yeah. just kind <laughs> of like looking at it with disgust. Well, it was a disgust laugh. Perfect, I was like, it? I can't believe I got to come in and, watch, and talk about this team again. Yeah. Every game was a funeral pretty much. It's uh, awful. David Emmer is going to join us next, and uh, there are some interesting stories around the NHL. Did any of you guys watch Saturday night's game in Toronto where the Toronto Maple Leafs absolutely embarrassed the Pittsburgh Penguins? Kyle Dubas's return to Toronto. That was I know he wasn't on the ice, but there sure were a lot of camera shots of him looking upset. Uh, Toronto beats Pittsburgh. Seven to nothing, and my mind went to, oh my God, what if Halford is right about Mike Sullivan? I still don't think he will be. I think DJ Smith is the most likely guy to get fired, and we'll talk to David Amber about that. Um, I know the story in Ottawa, like the narrative is like the new ownership and Steve Steos, who's the new GM after the last one got fired for some weird stuff. Um, the the narrative is that the Sens have had so much change and so much drama in that like they don't want to do anymore. They want to keep things stable. But they have now lost at least four in a row. They're eleven fifteen. They're eleven and fifteen. And 
they're probably not going to make the playoffs, right? They've dug yet another hole. And there was this narrative in Ottawa, like they were like the Canucks. They kept on getting off to these terrible starts and burying themselves for the season. Well, the Canucks have gotten over that. Mm -hmm. They met pressure with pressure, as Rick Tockett likes to say, and they're off to a tremendous start, an unbelievable start, a start we couldn't have even predicted. But it's the same old, same old in Ottawa, and I just wonder when Michael Anlauer, the new owner, is going to act there. So lots to get into with David Amber coming up next on the Halford and Ruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Everything Canucks before and after the games. Canucks Central with Dan Riccio and Satyar Shah. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Mike, not being flipped, but like, what do you say after a game like this? Do you just flush it or do you, you know, really dissect it? Well, I'll certainly dissect it. I'm not sure quite yet how I'll, I'll respond to it. Um, you know, it's a humbling experience. You know, when we didn't we didn't perform to our expectations, and, and it's disappointing. Uh, we're all in this thing together. We got to figure it out. Six thirty-one on a Monday. Happy Monday, everybody. Halford Bruff, Sportsnet six fifty. That voice you just heard—that was of Mike Sullivan, the head coach of the Pittsburgh Penguins. If you missed it over the weekend, not a great trip to Toronto. For the Penguins, a, a very narrow 7 nothing loss to the Maple Leafs. And then uh, Sully sounded a little down after that one. Not surprising. That was one of their worst losses of the season. We're going to talk to David Amber, Hockey Night in Canada, Sportsnet NHL host, in a moment about that and a whole lot of other stuff. Before we do, though, I need to tell you that Halford and Bruff of the Morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Accurate Dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Accurate Dealer today. Okay, let's go straight to the phone lines. He joins us now, as he does every week. Here on the Halford and Bruff Show, David Amber, Sportsnet Hockey Night in Canada NHL host here on Sportsnet 650. Good morning, David. How are you? Good. Happy holidays, fellas. Happy holidays to you as well. Thanks for taking the time to do this. We appreciate it. So uh, let's start with the Penguins. I, I, we don't like doing the you know soon-to-be coach fired dance here, although we do it often. What are you you think we about? might. It's one of our staples. Okay, but we don't enjoy it. <laughs> right. Okay, but we, we follow it. And right now... We're talking about DJ Smith in Ottawa, and I threw it out last week, and Jason pushed back pretty aggressively. Um, Mike Sullivan in Pittsburgh, and I understood why he pushed back. Like Sully's one of the best coaches in the NHL. He's got Stanley Cups, and you know it sounded like, especially after the vote of confidence that Kyle Dubas gave him, that he'd stick around. Then Kyle Dubas went back to Toronto, and they got whooped, and they got whooped by a team that did not have Austin Matthews in the lineup and had Martin Jones in that. So I got to ask, David, um, is Mike Sullivan's job maybe in jeopardy after what happened on Saturday? Yeah, I mean, at this point, every coach's job is in jeopardy in some fashion just based on the history of what we see. I mean, it's 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 a job that's there to be fired. I mean, Mike Sullivan's living proof of that. He got brought in, I believe it was Dan Bilesma, he replaced in Pittsburgh midseason, and they won back-to-back cups. Uh, this team's all in. And I'm not here to suggest Mike Sullivan's job is is imminently going to end. But my point is, there's a lot of pressure there. Uh, you know, they went out, they get Eric Carlson at a, in a you know extraordinary number. Uh, they obviously have Malkin, Latang, Crosby. You know, at you know in their mid to late 30s and still playing at an elite level. But they're not there to 
to just scrape into the playoffs. The idea of getting Eric Carlson was to put this team back towards a Stanley Cup run, and it just hasn't happened at all. They look completely disjointed. The fact that their power play went on an 0 for 47 run or whatever it was, it was unbelievable to think you have a bunch of Hall of Famers and you can't score a power play goal over 13, 14 games. Uh, there's a lot of pressure there in Pittsburgh. The one thing I'll say about Kyle Dubas is, you know, when he got the Toronto job, he did sort of wait it out with Mike Babcock to, to feel when the time was right, in his opinion. And he did make a midseason move. It was that, that trip out to Vegas was the last game for Babcock, and he brought in his guy in Sheldon Keefe. My question now would be, who is Kyle Dubas's guy? It was pretty clear there was a lot of rumblings before Babcock got fired that he was going to bring in Sheldon Keefe, that they had been you know, attached at the hip for a number of years. I would have said Spencer Carberry might have been that guy who ran the Leafs power play last year and, and was a guy that he, you know, he was attached with Dubas. And now, you know, he's the head coach in Washington. So I'm not sure there's a guy he has pinpointed if, if he was to make a bold move like that. And, and there's, you know, all eyes and all the heat would be on Kyle Dubas. If he goes and makes a move with the head coach and that's a bullet he has to play surely, but is now the time to play it? That's the big question. How has Eric Carlson been for the Penguins? Well, he hasn't been the Norris Trophy winning Eric Carlson from a year ago, but you also have to factor in, like, I wouldn't say they were hollow points last year, but what was San Jose doing last year? Like, <laughs> Plot right? hockey. Were, yeah, I mean, it was just like, go do your thing. Just, you know, it doesn't matter. There's no pressure. We might finish last. We might finish second last, whatever. And there's a big difference playing in that lack of structure and with the, you know, with no weight on your shoulders, you leave the rink, you go hang out and it's 80 degrees outside and all the rest is very different than you're in Pittsburgh. You're in a bit of a, a pressure cooker. You're playing with other star players. You don't just, you know, have the puck on your stick at will all the time. So, you know, I, I, I don't think he's working. Know, the Eric Carlson that struggled so mightily with all the injuries. Like he still looks like a formidable, healthy player, but I just the chemistry hasn't been there. And sometimes if it ain't broke, you know, don't fix it. I'm not saying Pittsburgh was a perfect team, but even just think about the power play guys. Chris Letang has, you know, piloted that power play for a decade and they've been very successful, including all the Stanley Cups. You unseat him, you bring in Carlson, a three time Norris winner, to to play that role. And it just, the chemistry just hasn't seemed to be there. And I don't, I can't put my finger on it. And you mentioned Ottawa uh, in the lead in here too with DJ Smith. And I look at it, you know, Pittsburgh and Ottawa, you look at the individual parts and it just doesn't match the results. So I, I'm a, it's a bit of a head scratcher. You know, Eric Carlson's been fine, but when you're expecting uh, Norris Trophy, Eric Carlson, that hasn't been what's been delivered so far in Pittsburgh. How convinced are you that Sid will never play for another team besides the Penguins? <laughs> I love that you're bringing this up. You love just stirring it up, by the way. I already, I'm, I've, I've got uh, Sid penciled in uh, onto Elias Pettersson's line. We've been talking about a, a line made for, uh, and you know, I don't know if you know this, but there's a lot of Pittsburgh uh, executives, uh, former Pittsburgh executives in Vancouver, uh, Rick Tockett. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't know. I'm just, I'm just throwing it out there. Rutherford, yeah, I, yeah, yeah. You know what? That's interesting. It's funny. I, I had this conversation about a week ago. Not like just off, you know, off camera, just, you know, shooting the breeze. Crosby would get maybe sick if, if he keeps turning into a downturn and he'd like to, to maybe finish somewhere else or win a Stanley Cup or whatever. 
Vancouver would be a much better landing spot as far as winning a Stanley Cup. But part of me said, you know, to almost honor his dad's legacy going to Montreal. How cool would that be? He grew up a Habs fan. His dad was drafted by the Habs. That would be kind of a cool bookend, you know, on his career. But that's not a team right now vying in contention at all, albeit they're mm. ahead of the standings on the Pittsburgh Penguins right now. Um, you know, Vancouver would be intriguing. How do you make that work? You know, you tell me how that cap-wise is going to make that work because that would be a sensational storyline. Imagine him coming to Vancouver would be just wild. Yeah. Well, I just wonder what he'd be thinking. Like, if it doesn't work this year, if they don't and, – mm-hmm. and I'm not counting them out. I'm really not. Like, I, you know, if they can fix the power play, I think a lot – lot would change but I look I'm watching Malkin play and as much as he's a first ballot Hall of Famer he has lost a step maybe two Um, you know Jake Gensel they have a big decision to make on him. He's playing well, but he's mm-hmm. a pending UFA. So what do they what do they do there? Um, I never liked the move to get Carlson over there. Like it didn't work in San Jose when they had two big right shot guys and Brett yeah. Burns and Eric Carlson. And you know, I just think it throws things off a little bit. Like you said, like Chris Letang was fine in that role, and that's a lot of cap space that went to one player. So. At any rate, I think it's going to be really interesting to see what Pittsburgh does and also to get Sid's opinion on things if they continue to go south. Let's talk a little bit about Ottawa because I remember not too long ago, we were looking at Ottawa in the standings going, yeah, they're last in their division, but they've only played like 22 games. It's it's weird. They'd had a weird schedule. So they were actually 11-11, and 11, so that's 500, which isn't great, but it's not terrible. Well, they've lost four in a row now. Uh, they got handled pretty le- easily by Vegas. They're 11-15. and 15. So once again, the Sens have dug themselves a hole to start the season. But it seems like all the reporting is that the Sens don't want to make another big move because they want some stability there. So where do things go from here? Well, you're absolutely right. That narrative of, oh, they got the games in hand is over. I mean, there's 16 points behind Toronto and Florida. 16 points. And they have two games in hand on Toronto and four games in hand on Florida. I'm not a mathematician, but I don't care if they win those games in hand. That doesn't get them into a top three spot. Uh, in their division, they still would be a far, far, far way down. I The Jacques Martin move, to me, was a smart move. Let's get some structure. Let's get some confidence. Let's get, you know, let's let's bring some of the things that have been lacking on this team. But it hasn't translated yet. There's a lot of cries for DJ Smith, you know, head right now on a platter. And it's, um, it's, it's you know, it's tough. Michael Andlauer made it clear he was going to go in. He was going to take a very measured approach. He wasn't going to do anything you know, rashly or just on a knee-jerk reaction. We know the Dorian situation, you know, he kind of could could feel that out because of, of the problem with the, the, the Dadanov trade and costing them a draft pick and everything else. And he's like, okay, well, that's, that's a, a fireable offense. You know, I think he wants to take a more measured approach, but I think he's also seen loss after loss. And if, if you watch the game last night, and I got a chance to watch some of it, and then I, I definitely heard the post-game comments from DJ Smith, I mean, this is a team playing without confidence. This is a team that's chasing, chasing, chasing every game. And, you know, it was such a such a, a incredible difference to going up against a Vegas team with all the poise in the world. And even though they went down in the game, Vegas never panicked. They stuck to what their game plan is, and ultimately it worked out. And it's just such a dichotomy between a championship pedigree team like Vegas 
and and Ottawa that's just scuffling, and they're dead last in the East right now. So I, I'm not sure. I, I definitely think Michael Andlauer is going to sit and contemplate this, but I, I do feel, you talked about Mike Sullivan, I, I feel like a more imminent move of, in some capacity is going to happen in Ottawa before in Pittsburgh. Uh, we're speaking to David Amber, Hockey Night in Canada, Sportsnet NHL host here on the Halford & Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Uh, I did want to carve out some time here, David, to talk about Brock Besser. Again, feels like we do this every week, but uh, mm-hmm. I think he's deserving of all the plot. It's not just because he's atop the NHL's goal-scoring leaderboard, tied at 23 with Austin Matthews. He also sits alone in the NHL lead with nine power play goals. It's been a really remarkable start to the season. Given that everything he's gone through in the last couple of years, is he maybe the best story in the NHL right now? <sighs> he's definitely one of them. He's in consideration. Uh, it's a great story, and a very likable guy makes it an easier story to, to get behind. And the idea that this could be a 50-goal season for Brock Besser, I mean, I'm not ready to hand him the Rocket Richard because there's so many other good players up there. You know, to have to go up against two former MVPs and Austin Matthews and Nikita Kucherov. But the fact he's even in that conversation, he's playing with such confidence, such poise. Um, and it's great because this wasn't always the case. I don't need to tell you guys, like, this guy... You know, under Bruce Boudreaux was going to be a healthy scratch that night. And, you know, it was he was scuffling and he wasn't playing the type of hockey Rick Tockett wanted him to play. And, you know, we all know about his personal tragedies. And it's just beautiful to see what he's been able to accomplish and live up to that potential. And what I'm really excited about, guys, and I don't think any team's going to be better represented than the Vancouver Canucks at the All-Star Game here in Toronto. Uh, <laughs> what do you do, right? Like, to me, Demko, no-brainer. Quinn Hughes, no-brainer. Uh, Pedersen, no-brainer. Uh, JT Miller and Besser, no-brainer. I'm not sure you can have five guys from the same team, so I'm wondering if there's going to be an odd man out there. I just don't know how it's going to work, but um, they're all so deserving to be at the All-Star game at this point, and those decisions, I guess, are going to come down in the next few weeks, so I'm really interested to see how that plays out, but yeah, I'm trying to think in my head when you ask if it's the best story. It's, if it's not the best story, it's certainly one of the best stories, the resurrection of Brock Besser and the fact that he's going to you know, chase a, a real record-type season with the Vancouver Canucks is very cool. So a couple games of note tonight to watch. Uh, Pittsburgh's going to be act- in an action uh, at home against Minnesota, hoping to bounce back from that awful loss to Toronto. But the Winnipeg Jets are hosting the Montreal Canadiens. And the Winnipeg mm-hmm. Jets, after losing Kyle Connor, they lost to San Jose, and everyone was like, oh boy, here we go. But since then, they've won two in a row, and they blasted Colorado over the weekend. Uh, they're surely, speaking of good stories, they're surely a good story this season. Uh, that trade made them deeper. It made them more of a team that scores by committee. Uh, you know, it changed the direction and leadership Uh, Blake Wheeler was a big presence in the locker room, and I think that was mostly good, but, you know, it also maybe was divisive at times. And Pierre-Luc Dubois, uh, who's a very good player, showed flashes of brilliance, but they now are more balanced, and they have that incredible third line, um, Adam Larry and his line with Appleton. They've just been, that's the identity line. That's the New York Islanders' identity line, you know, Western Conference style, and it it works perfection uh, for that team. They're one of the few teams that can afford to have their leading scorer and maybe their best player and Kyle Connor go down, and they have enough guys uh, to pick up the slack and to make them, you know, still a whole, you know, group. And Gabe Velarde went into L.A., the team that traded him, 
and he poured four points on them, and he's now healthy, and he's playing like the guy who was you know, a first-round draft pick. Uh, we've seen this from Velarde when healthy. He can be very, very good, just like Robbie Fabry. If he can just stay healthy, Robbie Fabry is, is a, a quality player, and Gabe Velarde falls into that same umbrella. So, honestly, the Jets, in, in many respects, as much as I love to give love to the Canucks, the Jets kind of in a way are Canada's team too because they just they take this blue-collar approach. They're a likable group of guys. They have a very likable head coach in Rick Bonus. And they're doing all the right things, and it's really fun to see them battling for first in the in the uh, Central Division. And we have that game tonight on Rogers Monday Night Hockey. So if you want to check out the Jets yourself, we have it tonight. It'll be a 4.30 Pacific puck drop coming from Winnipeg. Okay, David, a couple things here. One, want to thank you for taking the time to do this. As always, we appreciate it. Two, enjoy the games tonight. And three, uh, enjoy the holidays. We're off on Wednesday, so we won't be talking until 2024. So Merry Christmas and Happy New Year. Yeah, Merry Christmas, Happy New Year, and let's just uh, keep uh, the run happening for the Canucks. They've been really just such a, a joy to watch this year, guys. And if nothing else, and I think Roberto Luongo said it best, they're just it's a fun and exciting team. So even if you're not going to win every game, it's just <laughs> the idea that you're, you know, you have to back a team. Uh, where there's a level of excitement and, and great play has been really cool. No, our standards have changed. Win every game. <laughs> they got to win every game. Thanks, Run the Dave. table, boys. Thanks, Thanks David. David. Happy holidays. Uh, David Amber, Hockey Night Canada, Sportsnet NHL host here on the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Before we get into anything, this is maybe indicative of the player and the deal in itself, but we should have probably mentioned that the Canucks actually did make a trade over the weekend. <laughs> they shipped out Jack Studnika. Oh, yeah. And I was like, oh, yeah. He wasn't really on the team. He was mm. kind of floating in between the American League and mostly in the American League, but uh, with the NHL club. The only reason I wanted to bring it up was that um, there is a little bit of a pattern here, and I like it, of guys that they've identified that haven't worked out, and they move on real quick from these guys. So the list includes, I think the most um, noteworthy one was they signed Curtis Lazar. Remember they signed him for like a three-year, $3 million yeah. deal? And they, I think at a certain point, two uh, the organization's credit, they realized that either it wasn't a good fit or he wasn't bringing what they thought he was going to bring, moved him out, right? Mm -hmm. uh, Riley Stillman was another guy they brought in. They saw him play. They're like, ooh, moved him out. Um, <laughs> that's, that's actually the sound they, they were. Yikes. If you're, if you're looking, if you want to see the, the, the visual that goes along with, ugh, just yeah. turn on the stream. Well, Stadnika, too, he was a one-way contract, so the Canucks are going to save money on that. Yeah. So they'll save, you know, almost a million dollars in in salary there. You know, Bovillier, they knew they had to take on as part of the Horvat deal. Yeah. Obviously, they never thought that, that was going to be uh, a long relationship, and they moved on there. So, again, when we talk about how this current roster has been constructed, we talk about all these great hits that they've found, like Love Hronik on the blue line, and Zadorov was a great pickup. What a great acquisition with Casey DeSmith as a backup netminder. Uh, and then the filling out the bottom six forward group with Lafferty and everybody else, mm -hmm. Blue Grim Free Agency. So there's been a lot of hits. But I think the key part is, is when there have been misses, there's been a sort of Mia culpa, hand up, acknowledgement that, well, we got this one wrong and we're ready to move on right away. Uh, Eric texts in, is EP40, is he our fifth best player this year? And then Eric writes, Quinn Hughes, Demko, and JT are all more valuable than PD is. And there's a solid case for Brock Besser being up there as well. So he's our fourth, maybe even our fifth best player. He can't disappear like he has. He needs to not only get points, but control games. He doesn't do that. Not worth $12 million per year. 
I'm concerned about his next contract. Now, I know where Halford is going to go because he's already been there. And I don't disagree with Halford that... And he's ninth in the NHL in scoring. And his line mates, too, are not... And right now, and right now he's playing with uh, Ilya Mikheyev, and, and last game it was Pew Suter. Mm-hmm. And when asked about Suter on the top line, Rick Tockett said, okay, he knows. He if, knows. You, if you look at the underlying numbers for that line against the Blackhawks, they defensively, they did not give up anything. Like, the expected goals for the Blackhawks against them at 5-on-5 five five were like point zero three. Right. So... There was something that worked defensively. But, Eric, I know what you mean, and I agree with the theme of this text. Like, Petey, to me, just looks... We have such a high bar for him, and he doesn't look like he's reaching that. You know, he's given the puck away on the power play. I know he scored on the power play, and that was nice to see, right? And we keep wondering, like, okay, is this going to be the game where, you know, people say, like, oh, Petey's back, and once in a while it's happened... But then he doesn't have that sustained level of excellence and dynamic play and making things happen. And just like, and like Rick Tocco likes to say, like demanding the puck, like give me the puck and I'm going, you know, not necessarily coast to coast, but I'm going to skate it through the neutral zone and I'm going to make a really good play and I'm going to make the other team think about um, what I'm doing out there. To me, he's not at that level right now. So you go back to the whole thing. Is he hurt or is it his line mates or what's going on? Does he just do this every once in a while? I'm with you. And I would be curious. I'd be very curious to know what the organization is thinking about PD right now. Because when you start talking about tw- contracts like 12 million per year, and I can hear Halford sighing. So you must have something to say here. Yeah. Well, okay. First things first is. When we talk about Pedersen and the quote-unquote struggles, a lot of it is eye test, right? Now, uh, st- traditional basic counting stats, you can't argue with anything he's done this year. He's a top-10 scorer in the National Hockey League. Uh, he's found a way to produce. I mean, I want to know what the bar is for the people that want to see more based on what they've seen from other players around the National Hockey League. Like, what are we looking for? Are we looking for a guy that goes out 82 games a night and looks and feels and is dominant night after night after 83 night? 83 games a night. 83 games a yeah. year, right? Sorry, not night. Um, <laughs> so I guess I guess what everyone's looking for is McKinnon and McDavid. I guess. That's the bar. And that's fine, because those are probably the two most individually dominant players in the National Hockey, I would say, right now. Sure. Yeah. Right? Offensively, Guy- yeah. But guys that just look dangerous all the time. Every time they touch the puck, it looks like something bad is about to happen to the team that they're going up yeah. against, right? And I don't want, and I'll freely admit, I do not watch every Colorado Avalanche game. I don't know if uh, McKinnon goes uh, three or four or five games on the trot where he doesn't do anything. Well, sometimes Kucherov does in Tampa. Right, but Kucherov... Now, that's an interesting one because his point total is so gaudy mm-hmm. at the moment that it's almost without comparison. It's unparalleled what he's doing in the league right now. And McDavid, you could make the argument, like, if you want to talk about a quote-unquote slow stretch for Petey, look at McDavid through the first, I don't know, six weeks of the season. Like yeah. it, was, it was wildly underwhelming. And there were questions about what was wrong with McDavid. Now, a lot of people said it was health. Well, it was health. Yeah, and again... Now that he's kind of come back and they've come back, although they had a little dip over the weekend. Mm-hmm. Anyway, my point is, with Pedersen, if you combine who he's playing with or more specifically who he's not playing with, and then you look at who McDavid and McKinnon get to run with, well, there's a really big difference between having Leon Dreisaitl as your running mate or Miko Rantanen as your running mate yeah. as having 
Pierce Suter or Sam Lafferty. But you, but you see it too, right? Like you see that he doesn't have the explosiveness or the jump in his game that he's had in the past, right? You right. see it, right? I, I think I'd be... Even on the power play, like he's given the puck away too much on the power play. Yeah, I'd be buoyed by the fact that he has it, period, and that it hasn't completely gone away. I, look, everyone wants to see consistent night after night dominant performances. Yeah. Especially- the fact that he's still producing, though, even in this state is pretty impressive. Well, it just shows he's a quality player. That's how right? good he is. Like, smart, he can still make player. it work, even yeah, yeah. with, you know, he's adjusting his game to whatever, for whatever reason or need he has Listen, to it's just adjust a, it for. It's a look, fascinating topic because um, well, I think a lot of people are like, man, imagine if he was going at... At like if he was playing like he was earlier in the season when we're like oh my god like this, this yeah this is like eighty percent Pedersen right level now. and also people are wondering about the playoffs how's yeah. he going to perform in the playoffs now there's a lot of people that that are always going to tie this conversation rightly so to his pending contract situation see a lot of people throw out the eleven million dollar figure so just for the purposes of like context there's eight players currently in the eleven million dollar club it's not a lot. It's rarefied air in the NHL. Doughty, Tavares, Pasternak, Eric Carlson, Austin Matthews, Artemi Panarin, Connor McDavid, Nathan McKinnon. So really the, the creme de la creme of the league. Mm-hmm. Those are all the big offensive stars that are in that conversation, right? And if PD's going to enter it, fairly or unfairly, those are the guys that he's going to be stacked up against in terms of conversations. Absolutely. It's, it's not about, is he the best Swedish center in the National <laughs> Hockey League, or is he the best center in his division? It's are you on par with McKinnon, McDavid, and I, you know, I and Matthews, and that's the big three right now. That's the trifecta. And if Petey's going to get paid like that, he's going to get thrown into those conversations. Uh, we got a lot more to get to on the Halford and Brush Show on Sportsnet six fifty seven o'clock hour. We're going to do. I think we're going to do a fair amount of NFL talk because we got the Seahawks game tonight. Again, they're getting results. Where is keeping them in this? playoff picture for better or for worse so we kind of have to talk about it also there's a lot of interesting stuff happening with the eagles going into monday night football and there was a ton of really big stories from the weekend in the nfl so we'll get into all that we can go around the nhl as well some other big stories from the weekend that we haven't touched on text in any questions or comments into the dunbar lumber text line at 650 650 again we got the open segment so we can go into the inbox dunbar lumber with three stores to serve you in Ladner on Bridge Street, Dunbar Lumber Express at Ladner Center, or Arbutus in Vancouver, online at DunbarLumber.com. You're listening to the Halford & Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650.